2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Let me pray for us as we stand. Heavenly Father, you have given us grace, unmeasured, vast and free. Lord, help us this morning to respond to your incredible generosity to us with richness towards you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Uh, we'll go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, how do you deal with uh, charity fundraisers? Um, Chuggers, as they're known, I believe. Uh, if you walk down uh, Northumberland Street and somebody shakes a tin at you, what do you do? Uh, or if, uh, like me, uh, you get plenty of people coming around your house. Um, actually, what happens for us on our estate is normally uh, somebody puts up a message on the local overactive Facebook group saying, they're coming. And you've got a minute to prepare yourself and decide on your strategy. What are you going to do? Uh, prepare your speech about the other worthy causes that you give to. Um, just pretend that you're out. Um, say you've already given up the cost of your morning coffee to give to another tiger sanctuary. Or maybe you decide, well, what's the least amount that I can get away with giving kind of grudgingly that will make them go away? I wonder, as we approach the second week of this giving review, whether you feel a little bit similar this morning. You feel that somebody is rattling a tin in front of you, and you know that you ought to think about it. And you know that it's a good cause, really. But you'll be relieved next week when we're back in Exodus, and we don't have to think about this anymore. I know that I've felt like that before, and I guess that I'm not alone in it. The good news uh, this morning, though, is that God is not interested in giving that is motivated by guilt. In fact, God is not interested in anything less than giving that is joyful and free because that is the type of giving which blesses us and which causes other people to praise God for his incredible grace to us. I want us to see that this morning uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Uh, I'm going to look at three headings. Uh, firstly, simply, God wants cheerful givers. 
Then God blesses cheerful giving uh, before finally uh, seeing how God is praised when we are generous. So first, God wants cheerful givers. Uh, If you're not already there, do grab one of those uh, black Bibles and turn up to page 968. Uh, That'll get you to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And if you were here uh, last week, then you already know that at this point in the New Testament, uh, what's Paul doing, uh, what Paul, the Apostle Paul is doing is gathering a financial gift uh, here from the Corinthian church to send back to Christians in Jerusalem who are under uh, heavy persecution and are in desperate poverty. Uh, but Paul doesn't act like uh, Bob Geldof at Live Aid, if you're old enough to remember that, um, screaming at the TV screen, give us your money using any tactic, guilt, shock, bullying people into giving. No, in fact, exactly the opposite is true. Uh, Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5, right before um, our reading. Paul writes, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. One of the reasons that Paul is writing to the Corinthians now is so that they will be able to give this gift generously, not grudgingly. Paul is at pains to make this point. Look at verse 7. Paul writes, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God is not... Uh, The taxman just out to reclaim what is rightfully his, though everything is rightfully his. Uh, God's not uh, running short on funds. He's not uh, seeking to turn around an austerity budget or anything like that. No, there's something more important than just paying the bills going on here. More important even than relieving the desperate poverty that the church in Jerusalem are facing, significant though that was. What's at stake here is how the Corinthians and how we think about God. Uh, The author uh, and Pastor John Piper puts it like this uh, about our attitude towards giving and God. He says, The sparing heart has a relationship to God that feels him as a taker rather than a giver. If my life is being drained away by God because he is so incessantly and solely demanding then I feel like grasping after the things of the world to meet my needs. If every time I look up and see the pointing finger of God demanding, give me, give me, give me, how can I look back down at the needs of the world and say, take me, I will gladly spend and be spent for your good. Oh, that person will give something because one of the draining demands that he hears when he looks to this ever-demanding, ever-taking God is give something to the church. So out comes the gift, the draining, life-depleting, exhausting, sparing gift. How do you think about God when it comes to money? Do you think about a God who is always taking or a God who has given you everything that you have? God is not interested in giving that is life-depleting, that is exhausting, that is sparing. God doesn't want begrudging givers. He wants cheerful givers who choose to gladly spend their money, their time, their gifts, and their talent, indeed their whole lives, on him. 
God wants cheerful givers, but what does cheerful giving look like? And what happens when we give, not because we feel forced to, but because we actually want to? Well, that's what I want us to see in our second point. God blesses cheerful giving. God pours down blessing on those who are truly generous. Look at how Paul started this section back in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, notice that Paul doesn't talk about specific amounts here. This isn't a share option scheme. He isn't saying, well, if you invest £1,000, you'll get 100 times more than if you invest £10. No, it's the attitude, not the amount that counts. Give as little as possible. Give uh, reluctantly uh, what I call Mike Ashley giving. Just do the minimum that you can possibly get away with, and there'll be a small return. But instead of asking how little can we get away with giving, how much could we possibly give according to our means, then God will bless us with more that we can imagine in many different ways. Look at what it says uh, in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may be able to abound in every good work. You get it in the picture? All grace, all sufficiency, all things, all times. Then look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When we are truly generous uh, towards God, be that of our energy, of our time, or indeed of our money, then God loves to jump on that investment and to multiply it so that we can abound in every good work and be generous in every way. This is uh, the founder of Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates, uh, who has so much money uh, that he's actually had to set up several foundations to spend that money for him uh, on various humanitarian projects. Uh, And so he's created a job where people are actually paid to spend someone else's money, which sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds great. Maybe that's a job that you want. But Paul says, you've actually already got that job. You're an investor of God's resources. Everything that we have, everything that you have, has been given to us by God. And so when he finds someone who is willing to be generous with those gifts, who uh, will spend them, who will invest them wisely on the things that he loves, well, then he loves to give them more. Sometimes that's financially, but it can be in lots of other ways as well. Spiritual responsibility or influence, ability to provide hospitality or encouragement or wisdom or insight or a hundred thousand other things. And remember what we read in Malachi chapter 3 earlier on in verse 10. God is challenging his people to give wholeheartedly. And he says to them, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Don't hold back. Give generously that there may be food in my house. And put me to the test. 
Will I not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need? God is no man's debtor. He cannot be more generous than God is to you. He's unimaginably generous, willing to even give up what was most precious to him, his son, on our behalf. And so God says, if you will give with your whole heart according to your means, then I will gladly open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you, all sorts of blessings that you can't even imagine. Is that how you feel uh, when you listen to the giving review? God is standing at the windows of heaven, as it were, waiting for you to open them a crack so that he can pour out blessing on you. Thirdly and finally, God is praised when we are generous. God is praised when we are generous. Let's pick things up again uh, in verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. When Paul comes and collects uh, this gift from the church in Corinth, not only are the physical needs uh, of Christians in Jerusalem going to be met, but the Corinthians' generosity itself will cause God to be praised. See, what's really exciting when people in a church give is not just that we can meet the budget. It's not just that we can afford to heat this room or keep the ministries going that we've already got. What's exciting about people giving is not the money, it's the giving. It is the God-inspired generosity of God's people. And that is exciting because radical generosity is not normal. It's supernatural. When we give gladly and willingly, not holding things back, that is God at work within us. And when I was about um, 12 or 13, my parents sent me on a camp uh, in North Wales. There weren't many um, young people in the church that I went to. Uh, and this guy turned up called Owen. And as a 13-year-old, I didn't think that much of Owen, to be honest. Um, he didn't look that cool, kind of looked like he was wearing his dad's clothes, um, and turned up in a beaten-up old uh, Vauxhall Corsa. Uh, and he was a pretty quiet guy as well. He wasn't someone who immediately uh, caught my attention. Pretty quiet, quick, pretty unassuming. Uh, but he was willing to talk to me, and he's willing to talk to others. And as it emerged, uh, getting to know him a little bit better, and as I heard a bit more about him, it actually turned out that he's from a pretty well-off family, in fact, he's pretty much from landed gentry. And he himself was an incredibly intelligent and bright man who'd given up a career in the finance industry to do youth work, which pays considerably less. <laughs> but I have ne never met someone who's uh, quite so attractive because he loved God. And giving up those things was not something that made him miserable or sad. They were things that he was glad to do in order to pursue what God had for him. Giving like that is weird, but it's wonderful. In our society, it's true to say on average that as people get wealthier, they give away less. We keep more for ourselves and we chase after financial security, a better standard of living, 
um, more distance between us and problems. That's luxury, isn't it, in our society? Space away from other people, from uh, pressures and concerns, from needs and from struggle. But God invites us to do exactly the opposite. He says, choose not to pursue a higher standard of living, but give to others. Choose not to make life easy for yourself, but get involved in the trouble and the struggles and the sin of other people and yourself. Genuine, not forced generosity is a sign of God's spirit at work within us. And so when people see it, they can't help but acknowledge it and praise and thanks God. Look at verse 13. Uh, Paul says uh, of the saints uh, in Jerusalem, they will glorify God because of your submission. That comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The root cause of all generosity is the all-generous God, isn't it? He is the one who inspires our giving. He is the one who is worth gladly spending our resources for. And he is the one who supplies our giving, who delights, us, uh, delights to bless us abundantly when we are generous towards him. He is the one who ultimately, because of his inexpressible gift to us in Jesus Christ, deserves all thanks and all praise. So as you consider uh, the giving review and as you think on about your giving, then I'd encourage you, give. But don't give because you have to or give because you feel compelled to or guilted into. Give because you actually want to give and to respond to God's grace in Jesus. And give freely, not sparingly, because God delights to bless those who wholeheartedly give to his kingdom. And give in a way that provokes others to give thanks to and to praise the God who has given us everything. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we confess that when we talk about uh, giving uh, and money specifically, we, uh, we often feel guilty and sometimes awkward as well. Lord, we pray that you would change our hearts. Lord, we pray that day by day we'd see ever more clearly uh, just how generous you have been to us and that in response to that grace, we would willingly, uh, gladly and freely uh, give of what you have given to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.